It is good to see everyone this morning. It's not. It's great to see everyone here in the building this morning on this snowy morning. Uh, but what a beautiful morning it was to wake up to to see the snow covering all of God's creation. Um, this is this is the kind of snow we like here in Southern Tennessee. It makes everything's pretty, and it'll probably be gone by mid-afternoon today. Uh, but that's kind of snow we like around here, where it doesn't linger around too much. But it was a blessing to wake up and see the beauty of God's creation this morning. Took my dog for a walk this morning, and there's nothing more joyful than a six-month-old Australian shepherd. And he loves the snow, and he enjoyed uh, his walk this morning, and it is beautiful to get out there and walk through God's creation and, and see our beautiful snow this morning. If you're joining us on our live stream, welcome. If you're joining us via radio, welcome. It's a blessing to have you with us today. Let's begin with a prayer, and then Mike will come and lead us in our worship together. Let's pray. Father, you are good to us, and you are uh, blessed us beyond measure. And Father, it was beautiful to wake up this morning to see uh, your creation blanketed in the snow this morning, Father. Just a reminder of, of your goodness and your love and the beauty of your creation. And Father, we just pray as, as we praise you this morning as our creator, as our redeemer, as the one who loves us more than we could ever know. Father, we pray that our worship is pleasing to you. Be with us as we share your word together. Father, may the word not only inform us, but transform us to look more like your son, Jesus. Father, may uh, we enjoy our time around the Lord's table this morning. May you be blessed as we remember the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and all that means to us. And if I be with us as we now sing your praises, if I may our praise be sweet to your ears this morning. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're willing and able, let's stand up and sing together as we begin our time of worship. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And so shall I be saved from my He died for me, and he took away my sin, and I will live with him for eternity. I know the Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let God of my salvation be exalted. Sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifice. Sacrifices of joy. 
today and for the opportunity we have to be together, to be present, and Father, to participate. Father, when those times come, we pray that you evaluate our hearts and that you see children who love you, who are thankful, and who are grateful above any word that we get right, any note that we get right, any sound that we make. And Father, now as we approach your scriptures, as Lance comes, Father, we pray that you give us the eyes to witness and observe things that need to be changed in our lives. Father, we pray you give us the ears to hear those things. And Father, that you give us the hearts and the minds to, to be able to discern and know how to move forward. Because anytime we approach your word, Father, uh, change is required. We're always to be growing closer to you and closer to one another. And so, Father, in every way, we pray that happens in our time together today. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, chapter 8, Exodus chapter 8, is we're going to be talking about frogs this morning. 
You may think that may be kind of strange, but there's a lesson that we can learn from this uh, text this morning, Exodus 8, regarding frogs. And some of you people in here may like frogs today. There may be some in here who, when you think of the word frog, you enjoy frogs. I know people who have collected frogs, frog statuettes. Uh, they have frog calendars. They wear frogs on their shirts. Um, it's been my experience in, in ministry in the churches that I've served at and just friends throughout life. But some people really like frogs. Um, and they collect, again, they collect the, the statues and things like that. And you can walk in their house or in their room and they have a frog collection. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people like to eat frogs. Anybody here like a good mess of frog legs? Uh, coffee beans sometimes on Friday or, or grainy fishes or somewhere like that. You can go uh, get you a nice plate of frog legs. And you hear the word frogs, you're like, frog legs, yes. Uh, my dad was a good connoisseur of frog legs. He enjoyed a good frog leg. And he always told me it tasted like chicken. And so when I was eight, I tried a frog leg. And it did taste a little bit like chicken. Not quite. But uh, I enjoyed uh, that, sharing that with my father as well. Frog legs. And so when you think about frogs, you may think about frog legs or frog gigging. Some of you may like to go frog gigging and, and catching frogs. I'm sure there's some young boys in here that enjoy frog gigging. Um, others in here may not like frogs at all. You may be, when you hear frogs, you think they're gross, don't want anything to do with frogs, want nothing, nothing to do with them at all. Um, and sometimes with our kids, we get these little uh, stuffed animals. Isn't he cute? This is a cute little frog, right? And so you may have a stuffed animal as a frog, and they're, and they're cute, and they're, they're cuddly, and you, know, you may even sleep with the frog. Hopefully not your spouse, but one of these you may sleep with. Um, and this may be something that brings you comfort. Little kids collect these, and they're cute little frogs. And frogs are part of our culture. You see them, again, you see them uh, in books. You see them, uh, there's, there's cartoons made about frogs. The frogs we're talking about in Egypt were not a good thing. They happen when Moses approaches Pharaoh, and Moses has been commissioned by God. Remember the burning bush and how God told Moses, I want you to go and, and bring my people out of Egypt. I'm going to use you to be my instrument to bring the people out of Egypt, and Aaron, your brother, can be your mouthpiece, but you're going to go, and you're going to lead my children out of Egypt and take on Pharaoh and bring them to the promised land. That was God's commission to Moses, and so Moses goes to Egypt, and approaches Pharaoh, and of course Pharaoh is arrogant, he's, he's this, this ruthless king, he says, no, I'm not going to let your people go. And so the first uh, plague that we see uh, is blood, and, and blood is in the river in Egypt, and it's this nasty mess, but again, Pharaoh does not relent and let the people go, even though the river and the water in, in, in Egypt has been turned to blood. And so the second plague that we see is frogs. Let's pick up the story in Exodus 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hands with your staff over the rivers, over the canals and over the pools and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. God tells Moses Egypt's going to have a frog problem. 
And not only are frogs going to come up on the land, they are going to be everywhere. They're going to be not only on the land, they're going to be in your homes. They're going to be on your bed. They're going to be on your pillow. When you open up your cabinet to get something to cook with, there's going to be frogs in your pots and your pans. Does this sound good to anybody? It's going to be nasty. This isn't going to be an accusation of an invasion of, of cute little frogs like this. This is going to be a, a mess, Moses. I'm going to inflict Egypt with frogs. Everywhere you look, there's going to be a frog. They're going to consume your houses. They're going to consume the land. Tell Pharaoh this. Look what happens in the very next passage. Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And there's frogs everywhere. But Pharaoh's this arrogant, again, ruthless king. He thinks he knows best. And so his followers, his men, his sorcerers, his magicians, look what they do in verse 7. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So you don't just have God's frogs. Now the Egyptian men have brought more frogs in. And here's the point in this point of the story. Sometimes we make a bigger mess of the mess we're in. Because it's not just enough to have God's frogs. Now you've got frogs brought in by the magicians and those who follow Pharaoh. And there's frogs everywhere. And again, frogs are slimy and, and frogs tend to hop everywhere. And they're just bouncing everywhere. And of course, people are getting tired of the frogs. So Pharaoh hears complaints, and I'm sure Pharaoh is tired of the frogs as he sits on the throne in his royal chamber. There's frogs jumping all over him. There's frogs everywhere he goes. When you go to use the restroom, there's frogs in the bathroom. There's just frogs everywhere. And finally, Pharaoh gets tired of the frogs, and so he addresses Moses. Let's look at verse 8. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So finally Pharaoh says, Moses, get rid of the frogs. I'm tired of the frogs. And here's the thing. The, the magicians in Egypt couldn't get rid of the frogs. They could make them come, but they couldn't get rid of them. So Pharaoh's tired of the frogs, and the people are complaining about the frogs. And finally Pharaoh says... Moses, get rid of the frogs. Look at verse 9. This is interesting right here. Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And so Moses says, okay, Pharaoh, when do you want this to happen? When do you want the frogs gone? When do you want me to plead with you before God so that the only frogs that remain are going to be in the Nile where they belong. When do you want there to be no more frogs? And you would think that Pharaoh would say, now! I want you to plead now. Moses, hit your knees now. Moses, the frogs have to go. But look what Pharaoh says. And he said, tomorrow, In other words, he was willing to live with the frogs for another day. 
Even though he could have cried out right then and said, Moses, now, and Moses would have said, God, remove the frogs now, Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Let me ask you, are you tired of living with your frogs? And by frogs, I don't mean the physical frogs. I don't mean the cute stuffed animal frogs. I mean, we're using frogs to symbolize those things that torment us. Those things that bring discord into our lives. Those things that make our lives not what they should be. Those things that distract us. Those things that harm us. Those things that make our lives sometimes even miserable. Are you tired of living with your addiction to, to whatever it is? Are you tired of waking up in the morning saying, this is the day, but then the addiction continues? Are you tired of living sometimes with the financial mess we find ourselves in? And, and we know that there's godly principles of financial management. There's, we know there's things that we can do to, to get our, our, our accounts right and to live a more prosperous life with our money, but... Are you tired of the mess? Are you tired of living with toxic relationships that are drawing you farther away from God instead of closer to Him? And are you tired of, uh, of not having the right friendships and, and the not relation, right relationships? Are you tired of there being discord in your marriage? Are you tired of there being discord in your parenting? Are you tired of those relationships that you know aren't right, <coughs> that you know need to be fixed? Are you tired of it? Are you tired of the health issues that are brought on just by sometimes living a, a poor lifestyle and, and not living a, a healthy life? Are you tired of some of the pains and the aches you're experiencing that you can control over? And sometimes those aches and pains we can't control. It's a process of aging or it's a process of, of our bodies breaking down, but sometimes we can, right? Are you tired of it? Are you tired of your frogs? Let's look at John 5, 2 through 6. Flip back to John. There's an interesting section here in John 5, 2 through 6, where Jesus confronts a man who's crippled, who can't walk. And Jesus is going to ask him an interesting question. Look at John 5, verse 1, or verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And so by this pool in Jerusalem, there's a place where the broken people go. Those who are blind, those who are lame, those who are crippled and can't walk, those who really can't fend for themselves, and they lay by this pool in Jerusalem. And it's a place of heartache, and it's a place of despair, and it's a place of brokenness. It's where some of us may be laying this morning as we're dealing with those things that break our lives, and we may feel broken this morning. Continuing on, verse 5. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. 
We don't know if he was born an invalid. We don't know if he became an invalid through some outside circumstance. But for 38 years, he hadn't been able to walk. For 38 years, he hadn't felt the freedom of being able to move and do the things that he wanted to do. For 38 years, he couldn't run. For 38 years, he couldn't experience the joy of taking a walk. For 38 years, he couldn't experience the mobility that so many of us have enjoyed every day. And he's laying there by the pool. And Jesus comes by. And what this lets us know about Jesus is Jesus cared about the broken. Because Jesus could have gone anywhere in Jerusalem. He could have hung out the temple. He could have hung out the synagogues. He could have hung out with the rich and the affluent. He could have hung out with his friends. But Jesus goes to where the broken and the hurting are. That's the kind of Jesus that we love and who loves us. And Jesus comes by and he sees this man lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time. And this also lets us know that Jesus knows your story. And we've talked about that in the past. But you may be sitting there this morning saying, man, I feel so broken. I feel so hurt. Why doesn't Jesus knows this? Jesus knows where you're at. Jesus knows what's going on in your life. See, Jesus knew this man's story. He knew he had been lying there a long time. But then Jesus asked him a really unusual question. Do you want to be healed? He looks at the man and doesn't say, why, you know, do you, do you, uh, why haven't you been healed? Or he wants to ask him, do you want to be healed? Well, obviously the answer would be yes. Obviously, what a dumb question, Jesus. Obviously, the man wants to be healed. Jesus, that's ridiculous. That's kind of rude. It's kind of mean. Do you want to be healed? Jesus, come on. You know he does. But there's something about this man that makes Jesus ask that question. Do you want to be healed? And sometimes I think Jesus looks at us and asks us, do you want to be healed? Because sometimes we're not doing anything to be healed. We're not putting ourselves in a position to be healed. Instead, we kind of tend to get accustomed to being broken. Notice in this verse here, the man doesn't cry out to Jesus. The man doesn't seek Jesus. Instead, he's just lying there in his brokenness. And Jesus is the one to initiate the conversation. Jesus is the one to say, do you want to be healed? There's something about this man that makes Jesus ask the question. Maybe there's an apathy. Maybe there's just this attitude of just laying there and not seeking any kind of help. But Jesus asked the man, do you want to be healed? Sometimes we grow complacent with our frogs. 
instead of living the life that Jesus has called us to live. And we go complacent in our addictions. We go complacent with our cruddy finances, thinking they can never get any better. We get complacent in our marriages and settle for less than. We get complacent with our health. We get complacent with our careers. We get complacent with our parents. We just get complacent. And we're living with things that we don't have to live with. Are you tired of living with your frogs? Because there's a woman in Scripture who's tired of living with her frog. We see her story next in Mark 5. But before that, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's Charlie and Lucy in the football. Many of you who love this, the Snoopy comics, you've seen this comic strip a million times, right? Lucy holds the football. Come kick the football, Charlie Brown. And every single time, what happens? As he approaches the football, she yanks it away. And yet he keeps on doing it over and over and over again. And you read that strip and you're like, he's so dumb. What's wrong with you, Charlie Brown? And yet how many of us are living the same way day after day after day after day, expecting a different result, and we're not changing anything or allowing someone to change us? That's insane. Are you tired of living with your frogs? Again, there's a woman in Mark chapter 5 who is. Mark 5, let's look at verse 25. There's a crowd gathered around Jesus. Again, this is the part of his ministry where word has gotten out that Jesus heals. Word has gotten out that there's something special about this man. There's rumors that he's the Messiah. There's obviously something different than any other prophet or any other Jewish leader. And so crowds have begun thronging around Jesus. But there's a woman who's tired of her frogs. Matthew 5, verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. So there's a woman there who's been bleeding for 12 years. 12 years of mess. 12 years of nastiness. 12 years of never being clean, both physically and spiritually. Because if you go back and read the Old Testament, if you had a blood issue, you were considered unclean. You couldn't worship like the other people worshiped. You were treated differently. Her life is broken for 12 years. She's been the outcast. For 12 years, she's felt the physical pain. 
for 12 years waking up. Is this going to be the day that it stops? Is this the day that the medication is going to work? Is this the day that the treatments take hold? Because look at the next little passage of Scripture there. It says that who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she's getting worse. She had tried to fix her frogs. She had been to the doctor. She had spent all that she had. She had nothing left, and it was getting worse each day more blood. Each day more uncleanliness. Each day more desperation. She never grew complacent living with her frogs. And she hears about Jesus. Again, she's been to all the doctors. Things are worse. But she hears about this man named Jesus, and she's desperate, and she is so wanting to be healed. She's so tired. Some of you today in this auditorium, and some of you today watching on the live stream, and some of you listening on the radio, right now that best defines you. You are tired. You're tired of living with your frogs. See what happens with a woman. She heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. What incredible faith. You see, she doesn't want to be the center of attention. She doesn't want to be face-to-face with Jesus. She's intimidated. She's a woman who's broken and hurting, and she hears about Jesus, and she says, man, a man like this, a man this good, a man this holy, a man this powerful, if I just touch his garments, I know that I will be healed. So she pushes her way through this crowd, and she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. See what happens next. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And she touches his cloak and immediately she feels the shock go through her body. Her blood dries up and she is healed. For the first time in 12 years, she's not sick. She's not hurting. She's not messy. She's healed. Just like that. And it doesn't just impact her, it impacts Jesus. And again, understand that Jesus is a personal Savior. And so when He heals you of your frogs or whatever you're dealing with, Jesus knows. See, sometimes we think God is this impersonal God and Jesus is, and they've, you know, they're healing so many people. They, Jesus knows when he heals you because he knows you. You are loved by him. He died on the cross for you. So when Jesus intervenes in your life, he knows what he's doing. You're not a nameless face to Jesus. He knows you and he knows your frogs. Look what happens next. 
And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And he knows a healing has taken place. And I think Jesus knows exactly who's done it. Because there's scenes in other parts of Scripture where we know Jesus knows who he's done. I think he knows here who's done it. He's communicating to his disciples, I know when I've healed. Of course, his disciples respond like his disciples do with consternation and amazement. His disciples said to him, you see the crowds pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And they're like, Jesus, everyone's touching you. It's a mob scene, Jesus. You're being touched by everyone. What do you mean? But again, Jesus knows when he heals. Look what happens. He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She comes before Jesus and just falls down in front of him, and she's trembling, and she's fearful. You may say, why the fear? Why the trembling? Well, again, Jesus is powerful. Jesus is holy, and she knows this. But also remember this. When you're unclean and you have a blood issue, you're not allowed to touch anyone in the Jewish religion. And so by doing this, she's violating Jewish law. By doing this, she's breaking God's law. The unclean are not allowed to touch the clean. And if there's anyone that was ever clean, it's Jesus, right? And so she knows what she's done, and she's fearful, and she's trembling. She lets them know what's happening. She doesn't know what happens next. Again, she's broken the law of God. But look what Jesus does. He says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And she receives her healing. When we're willing to deal with our frogs. And her life is given back to her. It's a blessing in ministry to see healings happen when people finally get tired of their frogs and turn to Jesus. And I've seen story after story after story. And again, it's a blessing in ministry to see people who say, Man, I'm tired of living like this. And they turn their lives to Jesus and Jesus brings healing. I can tell story after story after story this morning of people who receive their healing. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus heals. But yet you and I both know that that's not always the end of the story. You see, when you get tired of your healing, of your frogs, healing is possible. It's possible. But what happens if the frogs don't leave? Because what I want to communicate to you this morning is that Jesus heals. And if you're dealing with frogs this morning and you're dealing with brokenness, the best thing you can do, and really the only thing you can do to receive true healing, is turn to Jesus. And I implore you to do that. And if we can help you as a church today, please let us know. Either at the invitation this morning, contact our church office, text us, call us, whatever it takes. Let us know, man, I need help from Jesus. 
If you're on our live stream watching from a different location in this country or the world, let us know we want to bring Jesus to you. If you're listening on the radio, contact our church. You have a Savior who loves you and desires to heal you. Jesus heals. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. But what happens when the frogs remain? Because the fact of life is also this. Sometimes we do pray for healing and healing doesn't happen. And you and I have experienced this as well. Where we prayed fervently, God, heal me, heal this person. Most of us in here have a loved one that we've prayed for repeatedly, and yet they passed on. We've prayed for a marriage, and divorce happened. We prayed for a relationship, and it's broken. We prayed for a physical healing, and we're still hurting. What happens when the frogs remain? 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Flip over there. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. And Paul here... Paul's saying there's a thorn in the flesh that I have. And Paul says it's to keep me from being conceited. That's what Paul's belief was. We don't see where Paul was ever told that, but he's thinking to himself, this is why this is happening. And sometimes when we have frogs, we're like, God, what are you doing here? What's the purpose of this? And sometimes we figure it out, and sometimes we don't. But Paul thinks he knows why this is happening, but it still hurts. It is still painful. It's a thorn in the flesh. What is it? We don't know, and I'm so thankful of this. People have said it's Paul's eyesight. People have said it's Paul's uh, regret, remorse over persecuting the church. There's something else in Paul's body that's hurting. We don't know what Paul is dealing with here. And I'm thankful for that because if it was his eyesight or if it was plainly stated that it was remorse, then we'd say, well, if you have bad eyesight, God, uh, God may not heal you. Or if you have remorse, God may not heal you. I'm glad we don't know what the thorn is. Because sometimes healings don't come. And we don't know why. Paul cries out three times, God, I need healing. God, I need healing. God, I need healing. God says no. Instead, look what Paul learns from this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, he says, Paul, your healing's not going to come, but I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to be your strength. And I'm going to give you grace to stand. And Paul, this isn't going to be easy. And this is going to be a painful part of your story. But Paul, I'm with you. I'm not leaving. You've got my strength. You've got my grace. And yes, you have this thorn. You have this pain. But I am with you. We must remember that. <coughs> That when frogs remain, God is still with us. He never lets go. Paul continues on. 
Therefore I will boast all the more glory, gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul is saying, when I'm hurting, when I'm broken, Christ is with me. And he gives me the strength to do anything. And there's no frog I can't endure if Christ is with me. Fairly family, I don't know what frogs you have in your life right now. I don't know what frogs you've prayed for and frogs that you don't. My belief is there's some here this morning watching on the live stream, listening on the radio, that you have frogs that Jesus would gladly remove from your life. You just need to seek Jesus. Some of us are living with frogs that we don't have to live with, that Christ would gladly remove from our life, but you have to seek the Savior. Are you tired of living with your frogs? But I would be dishonest as your minister and as a preacher if I were to say, cry out to God and He's going to remove all the pain from your life. That's not the story either. And there's going to be frogs that we are going to have until the day we die. But I also know this, that if there is a frog in your life that God has not removed, he will give you the strength to live with it. He will give you the strength to endure. Through God's grace and strength, you can overcome and endure the frogs in your life. God will help us endure. Some of you know that because he helped you. Some of you know that because he's been there in your most painful moment. God has blessed you. He is with you. There's a lady by the name of Tracy Trailer, and you're going to see her picture on the board. Tracy's the, the one in the wheelchair. You're going to see her picture right up there. Tracy, as a young woman, had a bright future ahead of her. She was a freshman at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. Bright, brilliant, artistic. Loved to design, and her, her desire was to grow up to be a, a great artesian and craftsman and bless the world with the beauty of, of the arts that she had. Until one rainy afternoon as she's driving, she takes a corner a little too fast and loses control of her car and wraps it around a tree. 19 years old. She's removed from the vehicle, rushed to the hospital. She loses her ability to work with her hands. She's paralyzed and she can no longer speak. Severe brain trauma. People pray for Tracy. As she regains cognizance and coherency and her mind comes back to her, she prays for healing. God, this can't be my story. This can't be my frog. I mean, she's a young girl, her life ahead of her. Her hands are gone. Her legs are gone. She can't speak. But total healing doesn't come. She's never able to walk again. She still can't speak, but she's determined, I've got to use my hands. And she prays, and she prays, and she does the physical therapy, and she does the work, 
and she's finally able to use her hands. And she starts making jewelry again. And the jewelry she makes has deers on it. And you might say, why would she make jewelry with deers on it? Because there's a verse in Isaiah 35, 6 that says, when all is made new and we are with God again, that lame men will leap like deers. And she uses this jewelry to tell her story that healing is coming for her. You see, she's living with frogs. Living with not being able to walk. But she still has faith in God. And she knows that ultimate healing is coming in a place where there are no frogs. She, she communicated with a, a Christian writer, a woman by the name of Joni Erickson Tata, who's also a handicapped Christian writer and speaker, and many of you may have heard that name and know Joni's story. She also was, was paralyzed in a, a diving accident. But Tracy's able to communicate via email and text and via keyboard. Technology is wonderful in communication for those who can't speak. She sent Joni this message. Joni, I saw this quote and had to share it. If Jesus heals you instantly, praise him. If you are still waiting for healing, thank him and trust him. Why? Because your suffering is a sermon. Don't you love that? God is going to use your suffering to change others, she said. Or he will use your suffering to change you. Then she goes on to say, Joni, I know that you and I have frustrating times. Times when we feel like pulling out our hair. But God gives his children a promise that deers, D-E-E-R-S, need to hold on to. And she spells it D-E-E-R. Then she writes in all caps, the best is yet to come. Isn't that a great promise? The best is yet to come, Joni. I just wanted to encourage my dear friend in the chaos of this life. Our day is coming. Praise God for that. If you're living this morning with frogs, Jesus heals. And again, it's my belief that in our audience this morning on the radio, live streaming in person, there's some folks here, you're living with some frogs that Jesus would love to heal. You don't have to live like you're living. There is healing available for you. You just need to seek Jesus. But it's also my belief, and I think it's true that there's some of us living here this morning that have frogs that are going to be with us until Christ returns or we go be with him. But his strength will allow us to endure and he will sustain us. He is always with us. And we will be in a place one day where the lame will leap like deer. The blind will see. We will all made be new. And there will be no more frogs. And all will be right with God. If you need to respond to an invitation this morning, I encourage you to come up. I'd love to pray with you and for you. 
If you have some things you want to share and you don't want to come up front this morning, please contact our church office. You can contact me or Michael or, or one of our elders. We'd love to pray with you and for you and to hear your story. And that invitation is, is open to this folks here gathered this morning. But if you're in our live stream or you're listening on the radio or however you hear this message, we would love to help you know Jesus. We can bless you in any way. Now's the time. Let's close with the prayer. And then the invitation is yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being the God who never leaves. God, you know our story. You love us so much that you sent your son to die for us. And Father, your son brings healing through his spirit. So Father, I pray this morning if there's anyone in this auditorium, on our live stream, listening on the radio, wherever they are, Father, if they need healing, Father, I pray that they seek your son. Because Jesus heals. And Father, there are some of us living here this morning that are living with frogs that they should not have to live with. You desire so much greater for them, Father. May they get rid of their frogs. But Father, there's some of us living with frogs that we can't get rid of. And in fact, we don't know why. But God, you're with us. And when life doesn't make sense and we wonder why the frogs remain, may we trust in you, knowing as Tracy does, that the best is yet to come. And Father, we will be in a place with you where the lame will leap like deer and the blind will see. Relationships will be restored and all will be made right. Father, help us to hold on to our faith until that moment. Give us your strength, Father. We need you. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for being the God who sees us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we sing. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee. So oh.
seated. As we continue in worship and prepare to meet around the table for our time of communion, we'll sing When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. <coughs> when I survey the to share some thoughts around the table this morning with all of you and I hope they direct your mind and attention to to the cross this morning as I thought about the thoughts that I would try to lead this morning I, I thought about the song that we just sang and uh, the word survey means to examine to look closely and thoroughly so I pray that you know our thoughts today look closely at the cross and what it means to us and as I look at the cross and survey the cross this morning, I think of a redeeming love, and as it says up there that Jesus paid it all, you know, we, we were the ones that probably should have been hanging on that cross, but he, he died instead. So I'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 34 before we partake of the emblems. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 
Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an un unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order for when I come. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins, Father. I pray that we take this time to set aside the, the thoughts from this world, the chaos that is in this world, Father, and that we just focus solely on you right now, focus solely on why you died on the cross. You died on the cross for redeeming us of our sins, Father, that, so that we could have a relationship with you and be with you in heaven one day, Father, for your eternal life. Bless this bread that we are about to take that represents the body that was hung on the cross for our sins, Father. Let us take it in a pleasing manner. I pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let us pray. Father, once again, we're still gathered around this table and just thinking in honor of you and doing all this in remembrance of you as we continue to gather around this table and take of these emblems that represent the sacrifice father i pray that that we've taken this time to examine ourselves and examine our lives that we can think of things that we need to do better and to to get rid of some of those things in our lives father um, we thank you so much for loving us as you did to to send your son jesus to die on the cross for our sins as we partake of this fruit of the vine that represents the blood that was shed that day on the cross, Father, help us to continue to do this in a pleasing manner. I pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This time we'll uh, do the prayer for the sick. We'd like to pray for all those family and friends that are in the nursing home. We'd also like to pray for all those of our family and friends that are shut in or confined at home. Here's our list. LJ and Shirley Clark, Leah Coble, Judy Hornaday, Tappy Reniger, Jim and Carolyn Walker, Anna Wilhoyt, Henry Wilhoyt, and Terry Wilhoyt. Will you bow with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, at this time we, we come to you through the avenue of prayer asking that you will bless those that we just named. Please help them to feel better. Please heal them. We know you are the great physician and, and you have the power to do so. 
We also ask that you will bless the doctors and nurses that are caring for them. Please help them to make the right decisions. And please be with their family and friends that are caring for them and worried about them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have a few announcements. Uh, there are Bible classes for all ages following our worship. A list of the classes, locations, and a map are provided on the back of the bulletin. We are collecting donations for individually wrapped snacks, such as small bags of chips, crackers, goldfish, granola bars, and bottled water for those students taking the ACT at Shebbeville Central. The donations are due by February 24th and can be placed in the food pantry box. And we are having a family workshop February 26th through 28th. There are lots of details about this workshop in Michael's article in the bulletin and embedded in our calendar on our website. Just click on the event in the calendar for those details. If you did not uh, get a chance to pick up a bulletin, please do so before you leave. Uh, if, if there aren't any more, we can print some. I know people that can make that happen. Um, one other special announcement to look for today at 2 p.m. If we have a phone number on file for you, a mobile number, you will get a text message that is not spam. Uh, some of you have gotten those from me over the past couple weeks if you have students in our group about our workshop. But if you are one of our church members and we have a phone number on file at 2 p.m., you will get a number for a text from 931-684-8479. That is us. It is not spam. It is safe and secure. So please respond to that. Um, it is going to help us start to uh, streamline our communications and better get information to you. Some of you are the type that you want it on every platform you can get. Uh, some of you, you want it just on the most important one to you. And this is going to help us find out what the most important one to you is. So please look for that this afternoon and, and stay connected that way. Let's stand together and sing one more song of encouragement about loving each other. Uh, and then we'll have a closing prayer. And again, invite you to stick around for Bible class. Angry words, oh let them never from my tongue unbridled slip. May the heart's best impulse ever check them ere they soil the lip. Love one another, the saint, the savior, children obey the father's blessed command. Love one another, the saint, the savior, children obey the blessed command. Love is much too pure and holy. Friendship is too sacred far for a moment's reckless folly, thus to desolate and mar. Love one another, the saint, the savior, children obey the father's blessed command. Love one another, the saint, the savior, children obey the blessed command. Let our words be sweetly spoken, let kind thoughts 
Be greatly stirred. Show our love to one another with abundance of kind words. Love one another, the saint, the savior. Children, obey the Father's blessed command. Love one another, the saint, the savior. Children, obey the blessed command. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this place, this time, and for the people who are here. Father, we pray as we leave this place that the things that have been sung, the things that have been spoken, God, the feelings that have been felt, uh, that those will change us as we go from this place. Father, for those who stay for Bible classes, we pray you bless the teacher of each group, uh, that you give them the ready memory of the things that they have looked over and prepared, that you bless the discussion that is had. And Father, as our worship, may those Bible classes bring us closer to you and to one another. Forgive us when we fall short, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray.